Okay, Hare Krishna. Oma jnana timurandasya jnana janashalakaya chakshur unmilitam yena tazmai shri gurave namaha shri chaitanya manobishtam stapitam yena butale swayam rupa kadamayam dudati swapadantikam vanchakalpa turubhyascha kripa sindubhyevacha titanam bhavane vyo vaishnave vyo namunamaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gora Bhaktavrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are reading from the seventh canto, chapter four. And we are beginning on verse 5. We finished 4 last week. Okay. So the, the chapter is called Hiranyakashipu terrorizes the universe. So he had just gotten this boon, right, that he, uh, from Lord Brahma, that he thinks basically that he's eternal. Hmm. And it says Hiranyakashipu began to conquer, uh, became the conqueror of the entire universe. Indeed. That great demon conquered all the planets in the three worlds, upper, middle, and lower, including the planets of the human beings, the Gandharvas, the Garudas, the great serpents, the Siddhas, Charanas, Vidyadharas, the great saints, Yamaraj, the Manus, the Yakshas, the Rakshashas, the Pishachas, and their masters, and the masters of the ghost and Bhutas. He defeated the rulers of all the other planets, where there are living entities and brought them under his control, conquering the abodes of all. He seized their power and influence. Hiranyakashipu, who possessed all opulence, began residing in heaven, which is famous with its famous Nanda Gardens, which is, in, which is enjoyed by the demigods. I'm sorry, Nanda Garden, which is enjoyed by the demigods. In fact, he resided in the most opulent palace of Indra, the king of heaven. The palace had been directly constructed by the demigod architect Vishvakarma and was beautifully made as if the goddess of fortune of the entire universe resided there. The steps of King Indra's residence were made of coral. The floor was bedecked with invaluable emeralds. The walls were uh, of crystal. Can you imagine walls of crystal? The columns of Vaiturya stone. The wonderful canopies were beautifully decorated. The seats were bedecked with rubies. And the silk bedding, as white as foam, was decorated with pearls. The ladies of the palace, who were blessed with beautiful teeth and most wonderfully beautiful faces, walked there and walked here and there in the palace, their ankle bells tinkling, uh, tinkling, uh, melodiously and saw their own beautiful reflections in the gems. The demigods, however, being very much oppressed, had to bow down and offer obeisances at the feet of Hiranyakashipu, who chastised the demigods very severely and for no reason. Thus Hiranyakashipu lived in the palace and severely ruled everyone. Let me just get my notes here. And Prabhupada writes in the purport that Hiranyakashipu was so powerful in the heavenly planets that all the demigods, except Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and Lord Vishnu, were forced to engage in his service. 
Indeed, they were afraid of being severely punished if they disobeyed him. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has compared Hiranyakashipu to Maharaj Vena, who was also atheistic and scornful of the ritualistic ceremonies mentioned in the Vedas. Yet Maharaj Vena was afraid of some of the great sages, such as Brighu, whereas Hiranyakashipu ruled in such a way that everyone feared him, but Lord Vishnu, Lord Brahma, and Lord Shiva. Hiranyakashipu was so alert against being burnt to ashes by the anger of great sages like Brigu, that by dint of austerity, he surpassed their power and placed even them under his subordination. It appears that even in the highest, higher planetary systems in which people are promoted by pious activities, disturbances are created by asuras like Hiranyakashipu. No one in the three worlds can live in peace and prosperity without disturbance. So as as easily we forget this point, there's no place free from disturbance in the material world. Krishna makes that so clear to us. Abrahma Bhuvana Loka Punar what is that? Above Abrahma Bhuvana Loka. Does anyone know the next is it? Jeez. Um my um going blank. From the highest planet in the material world down to the lowest all are places of suffering wherein repeated birth and death take place. That's Krishna's statement in the Gita. So this can be very helpful for the aspire for us as aspiring devotees to remember that uh, even here in, you know that no there's no peaceful place even in the heavenly planets and Hiranya uh, Kashipu can come about around and you have to you think you're having a great time in the uh, uh, Nandana uh, garden and with all the wonderful, you know, uh, explanations of what it's like. And life seems to be just on cruise control, if, or even better, it's just uh, wonderful. And there, but there's every chance of disturbance. There's every chance of disturbance. Um, in, in, in the world. So that is, that is the nature of this world. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, remembering this is helpful for our Krishna consciousness. It's not the essence, right? The essence is smartavya satatam vishnu, be smartavya najatuchit, to remember Krishna and never forget him. And while that's the essence, there's things we might even label this as gan that help us in that regard, because we can get so um, distracted by this world and especially being in pursuit of material comforts and material happiness. And so this, this statement in this purport can be, and in the verse, and what the demigods are realizing, uh, can be an impetus for us to take more shelter of Krishna. And we're going to talk about this, I think, in the next verse, actually, about shelter, or the two verses from now. Um, so this is this is helpful information for us to understand that even in the higher planetary systems where we, there's these amazing descriptions of the garden that we just read, there's every chance of being disturbed. And that the only, 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 only place to really be freed from disturbance is at Krishna's lotus feet. So any questions or comments before we continue? Hare Krishna, Prabhu. 
Yes, my voice is not good. So one of the aspects that we hear is this is happening in Satya Yuga. Right. <laughs> so in that yoga, people were hamsas and still they could use their bona fide process with the wrong intention to meet their materialistic needs. That kind of like shines out. Now, Hinakashipu is using the austerity, the ability to do tapasya, that ability in the wrong purpose. He's looking for sense gratification, materialistic goals, and he's upset. To, he wants to avenge his brother's death and he's causing havoc. Yeah. So, so anywhere in the material world and even in any yuga, there's a, there's a potential for problems. So the best idea is to really make all endeavors to make this our last birth. If at all possible. Thank you for that. Anything else? So then we're going up to verse 19. Okay, so verse 13. Oh, my dear king, Hiranyakashipu was always drunk on strong smelling wines and liquors. And therefore his coppery eyes were always rolling. Nonetheless, because he had powerfully executed great austerities in mystic yoga, although he was abominable, all but the three principal demigods, Lord Brahma, Lord Shiva, and Lord Vishnu, personally worshipped him to please him by bringing him various presentations with their own hands. So you can imagine there, like, oh God, we gotta, you know, we gotta surrender to this drunkard, you know. O Maharaj Yudhisthira, descendant of Pandu, by dint of his personal power, Hiranyakashipu, being situated on the throne of King Indra, controlled the inhabitants of all the other planets. The two Gandharvas, Vish, Vishvas, Vish, Vishvavasu and Tumburu, I myself and the Vidharas, Apsaras and sages all offered prayers to him again and again just to glorify him. Being worshipped by sacrifices offered with great gifts by those who strictly followed the principles of Varna and Ashrama, Hiranyakashipu, instead of offering shares of the oblations to the demigods, accepted them himself. As if in fear of Hiranyakashipu, the planet Earth, which consists of seven islands, delivered food grains without being plowed. Wow. Thus, it resembled cows like the Surabi or of the spiritual world or the Kamadugha of heaven. The earth yielded sufficient food grains. The cows supplied abandoned milk and outer space was beautifully decorated with wonderful phenomena. By the flowing of their waves, the various oceans of the universe, along with their tributaries, the rivers, which are compared to their wives, supplied various kinds of gems and jewels to for Hiranyakashipu's use. These oceans were the oceans of salt water, sugarcane juice, wine, clarified butter, milk, yogurt, and sweet water. The valleys between the mountains became fields of pleasure for Hiranyakashipu, by whose influence all the trees and planets produced fruits and flowers profusely in all seasons. The qualities of pouring water, drying and burning, which are all qualities of the three departmental heads of the universe, namely Indra, Vayu, and Agni, were all directed by Hiranyakashipu alone, 
without assistance from the demigods. In spite of achieving the power to control in all directions, and in spite of enjoying all types of dear sense gratification as much as possible, Hiranyakashipu was dissatisfied because instead of controlling his senses, he remained their servant. Purport. This is an example of Asuric life. Atheists are, can advance materially and create an extremely comfortable situation for the senses. But because they are controlled by the senses, they cannot be satisfied. This is the effect of modern civilization. Materialists are very much advanced in enjoying money and women. Yet dissatisfaction prevails in human society because human society cannot be happy and peaceful without Krishna consciousness. As far as material sense gratification is concerned, materialists may go on increasing their enjoyment as far as they can imagine. But because people in such a material condition are servants of their senses, they cannot be satisfied. Hiranyakashipu was a vivid example of this dissatisfied state of humanity. So, what a nice statement! That uh, what a, I mean, what a powerful that he's a great example of being dissatisfied. That he had everything; he had the demigods and the you know paying obeisances to him, and grains coming out without fields being plowed. You you know just you know he in modern terms he had a he had a you know. A mansion in Potomac, and he had uh, a Tesla and a Lamborghini and a Ferrari, and <laughs> you know whatever he had five different cooks, you know whatever we could imagine as being um, a comfortable situation in you know in our present day context. He had that and much more. But Sheila Prabhupada writes, such dissatis- yet dissatisfaction prevails within human society, because human society cannot be happy and peaceful without Krishna consciousness. So this, again, should be a very good, it could can serve as a great lesson for us, that he, you know, he, he you know, the people say he had it all, you know, um, you know, I don't know if you think of Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or whatever, you know, Hirani um, Kashibu had much, 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 much more opulence than them. And still dissatisfied. So the lesson for us is for us to be satisfied with what Krishna provides us. And to not make the goal of our life to increase our opulence. It's okay to be comfortable. Prabhupada writes that in the, uh, in the preface to the Nectar of Devotion. Um, but we need, but again, we have this gan to be so convinced that that is not going to make us actually happy. The only thing that will make us happy is falling in love with Krishna. And Hiranyakashipu and this purpose, this is a very powerful purport. We can, we, we can go on increasing our sense enjoyment as far as we can imagine. But because we are servants of our senses, we cannot be satisfied. So again, you can take Prabhupada's example literally. Imagine the greatest opulence, the greatest sense gratification, the greatest material situation you can think of in this world. And imagine being in that situation. And then imagine, uh, and then accept what Prabhupada say, says here, that because we would still remain the servants of their senses, 
we cannot actually be satisfied. Because satisfaction actually comes from another source. So what are your comments, questions, thoughts on this point? Sounds like you all accept. <laughs> okay, then we... Yes, it's actually Gopal. So um, this is very clear. He basically uh, uh, overcome all the sense perception during his mystic yoga. He basically meditated upon something like, you know, Brahma for so long. And then once um, even he can control all the demigods and like even Lord Vishnu and everybody was giving gifts and all that stuff, um, the happiness that like is missing. So... I think Prabhupada is very clear on his description that like only Krishna consciousness as a being a servant, you know, um, being a servant, only the way we can able to experience the full happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we want to do is uh, gradually become fully convinced of that because that will become such an impetus for us in our bhakti to really, really, really become convinced and we should be it's been years and years in the making you know many of us have been chanting Hare Krishna for so many years um, but it's 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 in one place I think we read it a few weeks ago that it can be one of the greatest boons to our Krishna consciousness to accept fully the uh, where happiness is to be found and where happiness is not to be found very simple <laughs> But it takes, uh, yeah, it takes uh, realization, conviction, and getting the taste for Krishna consciousness. Because the taste for Krishna consciousness, it's on a different level. It's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 yeah, it's a different level. I'm trying to. It's internal primarily. It, um, although we do use our senses, we use our senses to see the beautiful deity. We use our senses to taste the prasadam, etc. Um, but it's a I like the it, Prabhupada uses the word in this purport satisfaction, right? So it cannot be satisfied, and so that is a good, really wonderful word. If somebody could maybe there's a verse uh, bhaktir pavesh anubhava viraktir, and it has a tushti pushti sudipaya. That when one practices bhakti, one of the outcomes is one feels satisfied. One feels actually satisfied. And then the true procession also very important, right, Prabhu? How invincible we are compared to the whole universe. Even though in his situation, the whole universe and the whole cosmos is under his control, um, still he's not feeling happy. And mm -hmm. if you see you're invincible, like, you know, you're so tiny and then like thankful for the God creation and all that stuff. It brings you ultimately, you know, humility and happiness. That very good. Yes, yes. Okay, shall we go on? Um, we're going up to oh, just two verses, so twenty-one of text twenty. Having been subjected to a curse by the four Kumaras, who were great brahmanas, Hiranyakashipu thus passed a long time. 
um, being very much proud of his opulences and transgressing the laws and regulations mentioned in the authoritative Shastra. Everyone, including the rulers of the various planets, was extremely distressed because of the severe punishment inflicted upon them by Hiranyakashipu. Fearful and disturbed, unable to find any other shelter, they at last surrendered to the Supreme Personality of God. So that, that's an interesting... Um, I'm trying to see if the word at last comes up. Um, but the way Prabhupada words that, so they... Okay, so due to their fear and their disturbance, uh, and they couldn't, they may have tried other shelters, but at last they took shelter of Vishnu, which is what's so wonderful about the demigods that they actually ultimately, they're devotees. So Prabhupada writes that the Supreme Personality of God at Krishna is actually the best friend of everyone. Now that's a wonderful state, sentence, isn't it? In a condition of distress or misery, one wants to take shelter of a well-wishing friend. That's also, right? If you're distressed or miserable, you want to take shelter of a well-wishing friend. The well-wishing friend of the perfect order is Lord Sri Krishna. Therefore, all the inhabitants of the various planets, being unable to find any other shelter, were obliged to seek shelter at the lotus feet of the Supreme Friend. If from the very beginning we seek shelter, of the Supreme Friend, there will be no cause of danger. It is said that if a dog is swimming in the water and one wants to cross the ocean by catching the whole hold of the dog's tail, certainly he is foolish. Similarly, if in distress one seeks shelter of a demigod, he is foolish, for his efforts will be fruitless. In all circumstances, one should seek shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Then there will be no danger under any circumstance. So we may or may not take shelter of a uh, demigod. Oh, thank you Gurudas Prabhu for putting the verse of Bhaktiya Pareshano Bhava Viraktir. Anyatra Chaisha Trika Ekakala Prapadyamanasya Yatash Natashush Tushti Pushti Shudapayo uh, new grasam. Okay. Um, direct devotion, direct experience of the Supreme Lord and detachment from other things. These three occur simultaneously for one who has taken shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the same way that pleasure, nourishment, and relief from hunger come simultaneously and increasingly with each bite for a person engaged in eating. Obviously, a, a deep, deep subject matter, um, the, the taking shelter of Krishna. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. Um, we, have to, we have to search where is our shelter in the correct place? Where, what is the correct place for us to seek shelter? And we have to be convinced that it's not linked with external circumstances whether it's our financial security, whether it's our different abilities. These are different things we might take shelter of, right? Our, our intellect. Maybe we're very strong. Maybe we're very beautiful. Maybe we have a, a loving family or a well-to-do family. Or even an ISKCON. Um, 
these things are okay, but what is at the very center? Uh, where is our ultimate rest and our, and our present rest for that matter? And that, of course, we're going to say is, has to be deeply in Krishna. So the key is not the externals. The key is the internal, um, condition of our heart. And if, and, you know, to the extent that, uh, you know, um, that we have that deep shelter, to that extent, the circumstances of life, um, will shake us. So to the extent that we're not taking shelter of Krishna, to that extent, we'll be more shaken up by all the different things that happen to us in our life. Because we remember, we said a few minutes ago that there's always going to be problems. Uh, it's the nature of this world. And even Hiranyakashipu didn't feel full satisfaction. So there has to be upheavals. So how to deal with that? And, and, and this, you know, there's an art to this. Because when, when challenges come externally in our life, you know, whatever situations, our tendency is to want to, you know, seek Krishna's help to change the externals. Um, but in the, in the more uh, existential sense and in the more, actually in the more real sense, ultimate, ultimate reality, we need to work on changing within. And that's what Krishna is often doing by giving us external challenges, giving us the opportunity to change within. And so by praying uh, and taking shelter of Krishna, uh, acknowledging that so many circumstances are beyond our control, uh, we try to give the, the, the circumstance and our illusory control over them uh, to Krishna. And the, the result is we will be internally peaceful, even if... Uh, regardless of whether the external circumstances uh, improve or not. So this, you know, so Hiranyakashipu, he's feeling this discontentment, right? Not feeling the satisfaction that we spoke about. Uh, when we feel like that, we should see it as a sign from Krishna, because it's a, uh, Krishna's calling us closer to him. And unfortunately, we tend to blame everything that's out there for our situation and then we miss <laughs> we miss the whole lesson so and as hard as this is to and it's hard for me to grasp this as hard as it is to accept that um, that the circumstances have to change for us to be happy that is actually what Krishna is calling us to do to abandon that notion that our circumstances must change and Krishna has to do it, right? So rather when things happen in our life, we have to really um, plan our response and our attitude and understand that this, these are our, this is where our real choice happens. So uh, we take shelter of the process that Prabhupada has given us of hearing and chanting and associating with devotees and worshiping Tulsi Devi and seeing the deities and all those things. And that gives us the strength to react, uh, to actually take shelter of Krishna. So that's my little speech on uh, taking shelter of Krishna. Um, 
Yes, Angie, we are very happy to have you here. Better late than never is certainly uh, true. So comments or questions on this this very deep point about uh, we need to seek shelter in Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. So, um, uh, you know, repeatedly we studied this in Bhagavad Gita also, Srimad Bhagavatam also, and then Chatham Charitamrit begins with total summarization of this fact that this material world is full of dangers at every step. And uh, Prabhupada emphasizes so many times that devotee is fearless, devotee has no fear, because um, devotional service is so auspicious. And if we find shelter in devotional service, if we find shelter at Lotus Feet of Lord, if we can develop that taste and inclination and with serious intent, then automatically it counteracts all kinds of bad luck. And I actually pasted uh, a little section from Canto 10, um, the famous verse um, about Samashrita Ye Padapallavam. For one who has taken shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, everything becomes easier indeed. Even crossing the great ocean of nuisance is exactly like crossing the hoof print created by a calf. For such a devotee, there is no question of remaining in a place where every step is dangerous. And so I was uh, reflecting on these and then it also occurred to me. And for all this, our great solace is Sadhu Sangha actually. In all moments, if we can find, when we find ourselves weak or in danger and if we have the opportunity, you know, we can always uh, stay steady with determination because we are under training, we are doing sadhana, and we do come across all kinds of impediments and dangers. Yes, Sadhu Sangha will save us. Thank you very much for that. Now, Gurudas has put in the chat a um, co- somewhat common um, um, thing that we hear. You devotees are escapists. You are just running away from your problems and taking shelter in your ritual, your canon. Um, yes. Uh, by the way, one, one thing to do, there's different ways of, <laughs> this is from the kind of the, the art of argument. Um, when, when you're labeled something, there's different ways of dealing with it. This is a little, not exactly off the topic because Gurudas brought this up. It's usually hard to show that you're not something, right? If someone, you know, someone says, you are, uh, you know, fill in the blank. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. It, it, it's, it's not always the best argument. So sometimes one way to deal with it, and it's only one way, is to actually accept the pejorative um, statement and then get back to the point. And so you might say, yes, we are escapists. Absolutely. You got it 100% right. Now let's look at uh, what we should be escaping from. And then, you know, whatever, we can quote the Bhagavad Gita or we could say this or that, you know, and, and then take the argument from there or, you know, the discussion from there. But sometimes it's, uh, well, yeah, you know, okay, I'm an escapist. But what this escapist wants to uh, wants to know is, you know, are we the soul in inhabiting a, you know, a body or are we something else? And if we're a soul, then what is the purpose of this world? You know, and then you just start, preaching Krishna consciousness. Um, but, and then if they say we're running away from our problems, okay, so 
what are the problems of life? And we might say, you know, death and taxes or <laughs> old age and disease. And then we might say that, well, we can't, these are pretty much inevitable. Um, but the, 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 the paradigm that we're seeing things through is that this, this, um, life is only one life of many, many lives that we've had and then explain the samsara and then that actually real, we do want to escape. We want to get out of the material world and return to our eternal relationship with Krishna. So uh, a comment like that, uh, that Gurudas is saying basically is common, could be um, a very good opportunity for us to talk about about things. And Gurudas goes on to say, um, you devotees imagine that everything happens by the will of God, but so often things happen and you don't have answers and you expect the rest of us to not blame each other but to sit back and take it. Well, we would, of course, that discussion, we would have to go into a whole discussion about the will of God. You know, because people will say, is it the will of God that, you know, eight people were shot the other day in Indianapolis? Right? Or or the, you know, the various things. Um, And... Because that actually takes some explanation to to explain how Krishna has set up this world, but he's given us free will to uh, to act in it um, independent, you know, and use our minute independence, which is sometimes used in the most horrific ways. Uh, Andy, did you want to say something? You just went off of uh, when sometimes when I see you that you show your video, it means uh, you're ready to instruct us. I mean, make a comment. <laughs> but we can't hear you if you're speaking because you're on mute. Yeah. No, actually, I'm not ready. Thank you very much for the okay. opportunity. Yeah. All right. Sure. <laughs> sure. And then uh, Ananda Rupa uh, or or her good husband has put, uh, you cannot expect very peaceful life within this material world. Padam, padam, yad, di padam. That's a famous verse from the 10th Canto, which means that every step... Uh, there is danger, but if you become a devotee, then you escape. I am etam tarantite. Yes, so we are. We should be ready to um, defend our desire to take shelter of God, to take shelter of Krishna, and to not have it be seen as the opiate of the people, as uh, uh, our friend uh, Groucho Marx said. It wasn't Groucho Marx, but no one's laughing. Hey, Tom. <laughs> what, what did he say? Karl Marx. Karl Marx? <laughs> not, not Groucho. <laughs> he, say, he, he said that uh, oh, uh, religion, religion is the opiate of the people. Of the masses, yeah. Yeah. And I, I would assume some religions can, if, if religions become very materialistic, in their view, they might maybe be like that, but we certainly don't want to have that approach. We want to intelligently apply our intelligence and then see that actually taking shelter of Krishna is a very intelligent thing to do. Mm-hmm. The most intelligent thing to do. So other things on this point about taking shelter and, uh, and how to deal with circumstances that are beyond our control. Andy? Yeah. 
Um, I'll just point out that people who don't want to follow whatever you call this, faith or religion, they have different reasons. So if we're going to, if we're going to think about preaching to people, then I'll tell you one of the big things that atheists don't like is they feel like these are more rules piled on them. There's all these rules from the time you're a child, right? And they say, Oh, I'm going to go to this place. Now they tell me all these more rules. I have to take off my shoes. I can't do this. I can't walk there. I, if I cook something, I can't eat it before it's offered to God and all this. So some of these can be, but anyway, that's one thing that uh, offends them. And I actually saw, well, I wasn't there at the moment, but I won't mention any names, but we were having a gathering of ISKCON people. Uh-huh. And one of the people who's pretty, uh, definitely above me, right, was started talking to this new family that had decided to show up. Right. And he got too deep into it. And he said he saw their eyes glaze over at a certain point. He was getting too deep into the... You know, instead of just telling, guiding them in an easy way, he he got too deep. He saw their eyes glaze over, and they left shortly after that. Uh huh. Never came back, probably. No, I don't think they ever did. But so they were turned off by that. Not intention, of course, not intentionally, but it was too much for them. So it's just something to think about. One thing, reason that like this, like Gurudas is giving one reason people say for because you're taking opium, right? But another one is, is too many rules. So if you're going to preach, you have to be careful. Don't throw what seems like rules. And when they're ready for, for guidance, then, you know, I'm just wanting to get that out there. If you preach. No, thank you. And yeah. I'm uh, looking for the verse. There's a verse that says exactly what you said. Um, and it's in the Chaitanya Chaitanya, but I can't, uh, I thought I knew the, I think it's, I can't tell if it's Bengali or something. Manasa Krishna and Prabhupada. What it means is, um, somehow or other, attract people to Krishna, and then later the rules and regulations can can come. And Prabhupada did that in New York. You know, he he just pretty much did whatever people wanted to. But then at one point he posted, "Okay, initiated devotees must." <laughs> but but yes, yeah, it, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, we really hope that's what a mature uh, person who's sharing Krishna consciousness with others should do. You know, just attract people to Krishna. And then therefore, like, um, some people take this very strongly, like like Devamrit Maharaj. He has these, what he calls loft programs, L-O-F-T. And he specifically doesn't have deities and doesn't um, have people going around with, uh, you know, the, the ghee lamp. Because, you know, you're a new Westerner. And somebody puts this key lamp in front of you, you, you have no idea what you're supposed to do with it. So he, he keeps it simple. And what's really interesting is that Srila Prabhupada even had an idea of doing this in India. India, the, the world, uh, the place of deities. But in Mumbai, he said you can set up a reading room like the Christian science reading rooms. And just to give lectures there, no deities. You know, just give, give lectures on Krishna consciousness. So, uh, so yes, but, but, and I, I believe, uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami actually quotes this that in the beginning, you just give people, uh, an understanding of Krishna consciousness. And later, if they choose to, they can start taking up the rules and regulations. <laughs> it's like one person, you know, this is years, this is like 1979, you know, and uh, I think I told you the story before. 
And this new person came to the temple. And he wanted to stay overnight. And this one innocent brahmachari goes up to him and he says, you know, we don't use toilet paper around here. <laughs> I'm all for that. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what a great way to introduce someone to Krishna consciousness. <laughs> you know, because in India, you have a lota and use water and you, you clean yourself with water. Uh, <laughs> so, so yes, you, you, you don't want to, um, uh, timing is important. And it's up to the individual, really, it's up to the individual to want to start saying, okay, I want to m- uh, make progress in Krishna consciousness, what should I do? And then someone might say, well, you know, you offer your food. And even then, you might not say, you know, in the beginning, I, I tell people they can just chant the Hare Krishna mantra before they eat. And then slowly, okay, you can put some picture of of uh, the Panchatattva or, you know. And then only after, you know, some time, okay, you may want to have some deities and and you have Mangala Arti and things like that. But it's it's uh, it's, you know. Um, Gurudas is asking about Krishna West. Krishna West, uh, is focused on three things. Philosophy, um, prashadam and kirtan. And, uh, the, the idea is that those are, those are things that people in any culture can, uh, appreciate. So really nice prashadam, um, really nice kirtan and Srimad Bhagavatam. That's the focus for Krishna West. So, do you think it's in the same category as what you were uh, just describing about Prabhupada uh, setting aside a reading room for just, you know, just philosophy, no deities? Because they they do everything in Western dress. Um, they specifically, I forget some of their uh, practices, but go ahead. Well, I, I don't. I think it's a little different than Yena Kena Pakarina Manasa Krishna Vishya because I don't know, you know, I've only spoken to a few devotees about this, but from my understanding, they they feel they're presenting the essence. Um, in other words, they're not presenting the s. They're not presenting something. Then later, they'll introduce something else. They, they, they I think they feel that they're presenting the essence from the beginning. Okay. Anything else on this? So Andy, you, what you just said is right there in 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 uh, in Sanskrit in our tradition. I thought it would be, but I didn't know where it was. So thank yeah, you. All right. So we need to be, you know, it, it, we have to. I don't know what it's like. Well, of course, the many devotees here. Well, actually, for all of us, it may be a different experience. When you first came to a temple, what was your impressions? And so I, the first thing I I came to, I didn't go to a temple, I went to see, I saw Srila Prabhupada at Rathiatra. And for me, my first impression was, I under, I had read Back to Godhead magazine a few times, so I didn't understand, I understood totally why they were chanting Hare Krishna, but my mind totally didn't understand why they kept on chanting Jai Prabhupada. Because I had read in the Back to Godhead magazine that the Guru is not God, the Guru is the servant of God, so I didn't understand, that, that, that was one thing that disturbed me a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. And then I remember, I don't know why this is, it's so funny, but I remember I was really trying to hear the kirtan the first time I went to the temple. And are they saying Hare Krishna or are they saying Hare Vishnu? Because I couldn't, I just couldn't, I don't know, for some reason I couldn't tell the uh, the difference. 
But and then it was the seventies. I think it's different than two thousand twenty-one. You know, people bowing down and and all this and that. I kind of got into that. But um, I also one thing that I was doing for some time in in our Sunday feast in in DC was on Sunday I didn't say the full Premadwani prayers. You know, Jayam Vishnu Parama. You know, that can go on for because I thought new people. You know, so I just try to keep it really short. Um, you know, the whole thing about bowing down and all that. And, then I, and of course, for the regular daily program, uh, we say the full Premadwani prayers. But I, I thought, no, better to keep it just, you know, just Jaya Vishnupada, Paramahansa. I said that. And then I said Hare Krishna. And that was it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers that. From it seems like it's been ages since we've been at a Sunday feast program <laughs> at the temple, but that was one thing that I had thought of. But to be sensitive to um, what goes through the mind and heart of a newcomer, and to greet them with friendship and kindness, um, and at the same time not water things down, but just present them in a way uh, that they can be understood. And that's tricky, by the way, in a Sunday program, especially in a temple like D.C., where we have older devotees that are coming to recharge their spiritual batteries, so to speak, and newcomers that have a, you know, just trying to figure out what Krishna consciousness is all about. So to be deep and wide at the same time is an art. It's so difficult to know what to say to a new person. I, I, I almost feel like it can only really come from the super soul. If you've had like really good sadhana that day and everything's working just right, you have that moment where you say the right thing to the new person and you see their eyes light up, you know, mm. and that's very, very rare. But, you know, it just it, it, it's a miracle when it happened. Well, one thing we can start is to be a good listener. When we're talking to them, hear what's going on in their life and what interests them. And then if we can relate what interests them to Krishna consciousness, they, they feel much, very much at ease. And, uh, you know, oh, I'm coming to the temple because, uh, my brother just passed away and I'm feeling aggrieved and trying to deal with that. Okay. Then we can talk to them about that. Right. Or, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a vegetarian and I heard you're vegetarians here. And we can talk about that, right? So really the first step generally is to be a good listener. And Prabhupada talks about that in a letter that he wrote to Balavanta Prabhu in 1972. He even gives the example of Lord Chaitanya listening to Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya for seven days without saying anything. So we're not saying you have to listen for seven days, but um, <clears throat> being friendly, being kind-hearted, and hearing where kind of where they're at can be a really good beginning. Is that all right? Andy, you're satisfied with this? Okay. So then should we move on to verse, the next verse is 26. So 22 and 23. So back to Hiranyakashipu terrorizing everyone. Uh, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto the direction. So this was um, the demigods taking shelter. Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto the direct, that direction where the Supreme Personality of God is situated, where those purified souls in the renounced order of life, the great saintly persons go, and from which, having gone, they never return. 
Without sleep, fully controlling their minds and living on only their breath, the predominating deities of the various planets began worshipping Rishikesha with this meditation. Then there appeared before them a transcendental sound vibration emanating from a personality not visible to material eyes. The voice was as grave as the sound of a cloud, and it was very encouraging, driving away all fear. The voice of the Lord vibrated, O best of the learned persons, do not fear. I wish all good fortune to you. Become my devotees by hearing and chanting about me and offering me prayers. For these are certainly meant to award benedictions to all living entities. I know all about the activities of Hiranyakashipu and shall surely stop them very soon. Please wait patiently until that time. So could you imagine what a relief it would be to get that message from Krishna? So one thing we can extract from this translation is that Krishna understands our circumstances. As here he says that he's understanding the situation with Hiranyakashipu. And although our circumstances may not be on the level of Hiranyakashipuism, um, Krishna understands them. Okay, now let's look into this purport. Some people are very much eager to see God. In considering the word Madarshanam, seeing me, which is mentioned in this verse, one should note that in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Bhaktiyamam Abhijanati. In other words, the ability to understand the Supreme Personality of God or see Him or talk with Him depends on one's advancement in devotional service, which is called Bhakti. In Bhakti, there are nine different activities, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smarnam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmanivedanam. Because all these devotional activities are absolute, there is no fundamental difference between worshipping the deity in the temple, seeing him, and chanting his glories. Indeed, all of these are ways of seeing him. Now that's interesting, right? So we, you go to the temple, you're seeing Krishna. You're chanting Krishna's name, you're seeing Krishna. For everything done in devotional service is a means of direct contact with the Lord. The vibration of the Lord's voice appeared in the presence of all the devotees. And although the person vibrating the sound was unseen to them, they were meeting or seeing the Lord because they were offering prayers and because the vibration of the Lord was present. Contrary to the laws of the material world, there is no difference between seeing the Lord, offering prayers, and hearing the transcendental vibration. Pure devotees, therefore, are fully satisfied by glorifying the Lord. Such glorification is called kirtan. kirtan. Uh, performing kirtan and hearing the vibration of the sound, Hare Krishna, is actually seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead directly. One must realize this position, and then one will be able to understand the absolute nature of the Lord's activities. And in other places, we, we, we know that um, Prabhupada would quote his guru, that don't try to see Krishna. Act in a way that Krishna wants to see us. So, And, and when Prabhupada would be asked, can you show me God? And he would, anyone remember what Prabhupada would, how he would answer that sometimes? If you, when he said, can you show me God? Do you have eyes to see God? Exactly. That's one, that's the common one. He said, what well, do you have the eyes to see God? Right. And then he would sometimes say, even if you want to meet the president of your country, is that such an easy thing to do? 
right? You have to qualify yourself. So what to speak of seeing Krishna. Uh, other, uh, anything else that Prabhupada might say time to time? I can't see because you are standing between me and God. <laughs> uh, and also sometimes he would say, yes, there is a process. But you, but, uh, but, uh, Jiva Tapu, you know, gave the, uh, the main way Prabhupada would say that, do you have the eyes to see him? It's not a cheap thing. So here we're hearing though that the, the absolute nature of devotional service. So, when we pick up our beads in the morning, even though we've been doing it for years and years, and it seems like, okay, same old, same old, uh, it's not where it's, it's the opportunity to have direct contact, as Prabhupada says, with the Lord in this purport. And if we can come to see the deity in the temple, we're getting direct darshan with, with the Lord. So this, uh, the, the direct, so, but what makes it, what makes the connection? What makes the connection? And it's our effort to try to do it with a devotional attitude. It's the bhakti that makes the connection. So we can do things mindlessly or we can do things devotionally. And that's a spectrum. It's not totally either or. So really... Um, isn't isn't Prabhupada... Please forgive me for... Isn't Prabhupada... Also talking about a higher, uh, for lack of a better word, dimension where um, someone who is uh, of really purified consciousness can actually hear the name Krishna and see the form of the Lord in front of him or, or something like that. Um, so it, it, in other words, in other words, he, the, the purport is saying, the Lord is uh, the form of the Lord in the temple, and the the holy name, the Hare Krishna mantra, is non non different. So, um, we're encountering Krishna, and the pure devotee can hear the holy name, and you know somehow uh, discern the complete form of Krishna from. From his holy name, I'm. I'm just. Yes. Correct. Uh, 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 yes, uh, but um, we have that potential every time we chant Hare Krishna. Um, it. So I'll just just um, since you said it, I want to just play a short excerpt from Srila Prabhupada that we can all listen to. So listen to this; it's very wonderful. Can you hear it? Yes. It's hard to hear the question. Someone who is not afraid to die and says that he's not suffering. He's a madman. <laughs> That's all. 
who is caring for madman's birth. That will take time. How can we expect? Then one minute everyone will understand everything. He requires education, time. If he is prepared to give the time, then he will understand. <clears throat> not that within five minutes, ten minutes he will understand the whole thing. That's not possible. He is a diseased man. He requires treatment, medicine, and diet. In this way he will understand. A diseased man, if he doesn't care for medicine, diet, then he'll suffer. That's all. Devotees are always falling asleep in class because they're up all night fixing the temple for Prabhupada. <laughs> yes. Anyone? No. We have been here for many lifetimes performing sinful activities. So is it possible to counteract all those sinful activities in one lifetime or does it require many One lives? minute. That is Krishna consciousness moment. One minute. You are not reading Bhagavad Gita? What Krishna says? Sarva Sarman Paritajja Mami Kanga Saranang Braja Angta Sarva Pape Bhamokshayami. You surrender unto me, give up your all business. I'll give you relief from all sinful reaction. Immediately. It decas one minute. My dear Krishna, I was forgotten. Now I understand. I fully surrender unto you. And you become immediately free from all things. Without any reservation, without any politics. If you fully surrender, Krishna is assuring. Antva sarva papi, homokhaisami, masucha. He reassures. Don't worry whether I will be able to, to give you relief from all reactions. Masucha. It is guaranteed. You do this. So how much time it requires to surrender to Krishna? Immediately you can do that. Surrender means you surrender and work as Krishna says. That is surrender. What Krishna says to do? Manmana bhavamad bhakta madhyajimaangnamaskuru. Four things. You always think of me, and you become my devotee, you worship me, and offer your respect, full obeisances, and you do these four things. That is full surrender. Mami Vaishasi, Asangsa. Then you come to me without any doubt. Everything is there. Uh, Krishna has given everything fully. If you accept it, then life is very simple. There is no difficulty. Srila Prabhupada Kijai.
Yeah, he's dry. So does that answer your question? One minute. It was interesting because he said at the beginning of the lecture, he says, that, you know, slowly, gradual. And then it went one minute. <laughs> Finish, boss. He said, Finish. <laughs> no, but that was a different question, though. Uh, what Prabhupada was responding to there was the devotee's question of, can, you know, our lifetimes of sinful activities be vanquished in this lifetime? And Prabhupada said, of course, in one minute, aren't you? But uh, the other thing was something else, wasn't it? About uh, And Prabhupada responded by education, and this takes time. Oh, yeah, a person who, uh, does, who can understand that he's not his body, but still thinks that he is his mind. That was the uh, question, yeah. Right, and that's kind of the question that you present to us lots of times in, the, in these purports, and uh, has been the source of much discussion, very interesting discussion on, on in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but yes, and still one minute if we chant nicely and we surrender to Krishna. <laughs> very powerful hearing it straight from Srila Prabhupada like that. Where was that uh, taped or filmed? Mel Melbourne, Australia, nineteen. I think it says nineteen seventy-four. Yeah, I just—it's a YouTube video. I just uh, typed in Prabhupada and just one moment, and that came up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else on this verse? So then we're going up to just two verses, twenty-eight. When one is envious of the demigods who represent the Supreme Personality of Godhead, of the Vedas, which give all knowledge, of the cows, Brahmanas, Vaishnavas, and religious principles, and ultimately of me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he and his civilization will be vanquished without delay. Now, the, the word delay is, <laughs> is you know, um, sometimes the concern we have. Well, Krishna, what, what, what does your watch mean by delay? <laughs> When Hiranyakashipu teases the great devotee, so he's giving now he's giving like a, a prophecy. He's uh, describing the future. When Hiranyakashipu teases the great devotee Prahlad, his own son, who is peaceful and sober and who has no enemy, I shall kill Hiranyakashipu immediately, despite the benedictions of Brahma. And we've covered this topic so often, but now Prabhupada is directly discussing it. Of all sinful activities, no an offense to a pure devotee or Vaishnava is the most severe. An offense at the lotus feet of a Vaishnava is so disastrous that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has compared it to a mad elephant that enters a garden and causes great havoc by uprooting many plants and trees. If one is an offender at the lotus feet of a Brahmana or Vaishnava, his offense says uproot all his auspicious activities. One should therefore one should therefore very carefully guard against committing Vaishnava Aparada or offenses at the lotus feet of a Vaishnava. Here the Lord clearly says that although Hirandikashabu had received benedictions from Lord Brahma, these benedictions would be null and void as soon as he committed an offense at the lotus feet of Prahlad Maharaj's own son. A Vaishnava like Prahlad Maharaj is described as Nirvaira, having no enemies. Elsewhere in Srimad Bhagavatam, it is stated, Ajatta Shatru, uh, Shatrava, Shanta, Sadava, Sadubushina. A devotee has no enemies. He is peaceful. He abides by the scriptures, and all of his characteristics are sublime. Hmm. So, 
I think we've said this many times, but <laughs> we definitely don't want to offend devotees. And it's tricky because many of us, we associate primarily with devotees. So we're, you know, it's a, and as somebody just said a few minutes ago, how important Sadhu Sangha is. So it's a double-edged sword. You make great advancement by associating with devotees and you have to be careful because if you offend them, you're, you know, we, we just read what the results are. So it's not the end of the world. We just have to always keep a positive, uh, attitude towards devotees. Even if they're saying something we disagree with, and even if they do something wrong, we can, um, you know, hate the sinner and not the, hate the sin and not the sinner, so to speak. That doesn't mean we think everything that somebody does who has tilak on and wears a dhoti or sari is, is a great, you know, they, they can do, we can all do silly things and we don't accept those, but we don't have to be offensive to someone even when we're correcting them. Even when we see something, some flaw in their character. It, the, the two don't have to go together. We can, we can observe the flaw and still say, well, at least the person is chanting, the person is chanting Hare Krishna. And therefore, at least I can respect them in my mind. Right? There's three levels of respect that mentioned in the Upadek Shamrita, nectar of instruction, uh, respecting in the mind. Um, paying obeisances and awful, offering all kinds of service um, to the great devotee who's um, free from the tendency to criticize others. That's the words in the nectar of instruction. So we want to be free from the the tendency to criticize others without being, you know, foolish. And you know, we do we do see. People, you know, devotees and non-devotees, people have shortcomings. So we can't, we're not blind to them, but we put them in perspective. Uh, and generally, the nice way to look at it, from my point of view, is what is Krishna's perspective about this person? <laughs> you know, if we, when we make silly, when we do stupid things, we think, oh, Krishna is very kind, very merciful. Right? But what about when others, do we, do we, do we afford the same uh, Krishna mercifulness to them? That is a question. So, um, we, we avoid, we avoid, we avoid Vaishnava Aparad. Thoughts or questions or comments on that point? Yes, Lord Vishnu is revealing to the demigods that Hirakashipu will have a son who would be a great devotee. His name would be Prahlad, and when he would attack his son Prahlad, yes. this, you know, then he would take care of it. And in the future, as we go ahead, let's also see like how they behave. Like, you know, how much this again, Lord may give us message, the spiritual masters may give us message, but at, at many times, we may not be able to understand the message. That is what I'm trying to get to. As we see in this past time, you know, it's very important to understand the message, surrender to the message, and accept whatever is happening is for our purification. Right. Sometimes the mind plays its game and people become agitated or they start to take action, which can actually be opposing and cause further disturbance. Hare Krishna. Yes, thank you. And Guru Dasbu has brought up the point that uh, Prabhupada, pure devotee, seemed to offend his godbrothers by bringing Krishna consciousness to the malicious. Um, accepting the name Prabhupada. 
these are actually offenses, but the voted yes. So on, he rarely, um, at the same time, the godbrothers that were um, very favorable to Prabhupada, he had loving exchanges with. Uh, Anand Prabhu is one of them, for example. <clears throat> Puri Maharaj is another. So it, it, but for, as a service to his guru, he had, and, and to protect us, he had to point out the, uh, the deficiencies in some of his godbrothers. At the same time, when one of those who was very critical of Prabhupada passed away, and the devotees asked Prabhupada what happened to him. Prabhupada said, he went back to Godhead. He's done so much service for my Guru Maharaj. Um, so, so that was Prabhupada warning us not to judge uh, um, like he did. <laughs> but he protected, he protected, he, some, you know, he did it rarely, but it's in the, a few purports where he was protecting us. And he felt so sad about it. He felt so sad that he felt like, hey, wait a second, I'm doing I'm doing the service that our Guru Maharaj asked us to do. You should be really happy. Like that. Thank you. Okay, anything else? So we are making good progress today. So we are going up to 32. The great saint Narada Muni continued, when the Supreme Personality of Godhead the spiritual master of everyone. Thus reassured all the demigods living in the heavenly planets. They offered their respectful obeisances unto him in return, confident that the demon Hiranyakashipu was now practically dead. Hiranyakashipu had four wonderful, well-qualified sons, of whom one named Prahlad was the best. Indeed, Prahlad was the, a reservoir of all transcendental qualities because he was an unalloyed devotee of the personality of Godhead. The qualities of Maharaj uh, Prahlad, the son of Hiranyakashipu, are described herewith. He was completely cultured as a qualified prominent, having very good character and being determined to understand the absolute truth. He had full control of his senses and mind. Like the super soul, he was kind to every living entity and was the best friend of everyone. To respectable persons, he acted exactly like a menial servant. To the poor, he was like a father. To his equals, he was attached like a sympathetic brother. And he considered his teachers, spiritual masters, and older godbrothers to be as good as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He was completely free from unnatural pride that might have arisen from his good education, riches, beauty, aristocracy, and so on. Hmm. Prabhupada writes, he quotes the Bhagavad Gita about the qualities of that a Brahmin works, then he said, these qualities are manifest in the body of a Vaishnava. Therefore, a perfect Vaishnava is also a perfect Brahmana, as indicated here by the words Brahmanya Sila Sampana. A Vaishnava is always determined to understand the absolute truth and to understand, uh, and to understand the absolute truth, one needs to have full control over his senses and mind. Pallad Maharaj possessed all these qualities. Vaishnava is always a well-wisher to everyone. The six Goswamis, for example, are described in this way. Dira, Dira, Janapriyo. They were popular with both the gentle and the ruffians. A Vaishnava must be equal to everyone, regardless of one's position. So that's, that's um, good instructions for us. Um, is, always, is a well-wisher of everyone. 
and is equal to everyone regardless of one's position. There's that saying, right? I've quoted it before that it's easy to be respectful to a king, but it takes character to be respectful also to the sweeper in the street, right? Um, Otherwise, we offer respects to different people sometimes according to what we think we can get from them, (laughs) right? And we, we want to be respectful to all, although we'll also learn in the Nectar of Instruction that there are different ways to show respect according to the, especially, you know, the level of advancement in Krishna consciousness, but the, the basis, the pratishta, the basis is respect for everyone. How that respect manifests may be reciprocated differently according to the relationship, and even we read in the translation that he would reciprocate differently even if he saw everyone equally, he would, you know, uh, to respectable persons, he acted one way to the poor, a different way to his equals, to his teachers and spiritual master. He, so he, you could, I think the, the modern saying is that he, uh, he dealt with people in terms of equity and not, 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 um, equality on the spiritual platform. Everyone's a spirit soul, but depending on the relationship and, and there, you know, so many different things. He dealt with them equitably. And that is a very, very good instruction for us because we know that even, again, in the Nectar of Instruction, we, a Madhyama Adhikari, a person who shares Krishna consciousness with others, he worships Krishna, he makes friends with the devotees, he gives mercy to the innocent, and he avoids the envious. All while seeing everyone equally. But dealing with them in terms of equity and not, not only equality. It's a big topic these days. I think many of you probably at work, um, there's probably been messages going around since, since uh, you know, Black Lives Matters and the way that Asian Americans have been dealt with, mainly Chinese people. And, and it's just, you know, the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion are huge topics pretty much all over corporate America and uh, in the federal government as well. So this is, so we we try to see everyone equally as spirit soul, and then we deal with people with equity, meaning, you know, you don't embrace a tiger, even though you see him as spirit soul. Right. Uh, and we make a distinction between someone who's envious of Krishna and someone who's innocent or someone who's already a devotee. And then we even see differences amongst the different levels of devotees. All while practicing samadarshina, seeing people equally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gurudas, uh, oh yeah, we do, we do assign, I guess you're just not getting the emails, we do assign verses every week. Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. I, I do get the email. Oh. What I'm saying is, um, it was very inspiring seeing that, uh, that clip of, of Srila Prabhupada, and I was, uh, humbly thinking if you like the idea that um out of the verses you assign um perhaps you could you could uh choose one verse and link a video of Prabhupada to that verse each week well if i had the uh if what might be easier is if when i send out i'll try to send out henry's always on my case to send out the verses earlier if i send out the verses earlier uh maybe someone could 
look for those because I may not have the time to find the Prabhupada videos. This one I just knew existed. Um, that would be a night service. Yeah. So if, uh, people can bring that and then we'll try to find time to, to do that. Yeah. Hmm. Prabhupada writes that as the moon never refuses to distribute its pleasing rays, even to the home of Chandalas, a Vaishnava never refuses to act for everyone's welfare. And, and this nice point about the six Goswami, it's, it's just such a nice vision that they, you know, again, modern parlance, uh, they were dear to the, uh, I don't know, to the scholars and to the motorcycle gang people. <laughs> you know uh or, right or or whatever we might say um they had they they were had a such wonderful vaishnava qualities that they they could do that and Srila Prabhupada was like that he he could win over the hearts of uh mayors of cities and also seven you know 19 year old uh people tripping on LSD it's a, it's a uh Amazing quality. Amazing quality. Other point, other thoughts on this point about, um, you know, uh, equality and equity and being, you know, loved by everyone. And yeah. Well, you mentioned CEOs. And I yes. think they're currently they're doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. <laughs> they're not trying to, trying to lead people to Godhead, but they're equitable because they know everybody has money. We don't want to be against anybody who might give us money, right? Right. They want to be fair. So that's the reason they're doing it. But they're actually being very brave um, going up against the Republicans. Very brave. Mm. Because um, I was in IT, so I keep track of these things. Uh, Trump uh, invalidated a $8 billion contract, which had already been awarded to Amazon for cloud computing for the military. Uh-huh. And Amazon invented cloud computing, right? They were definitely the right ones. He took it away. So some of these Republican legislators are threatening to these CEOs. Okay, you think you can move this basketball tournament or anything? Where do you see what we do to you, right? Right. But they're like, I don't think it's for Godhead, but their enthusiasm for being equitable and showing that they will take anybody's money, including Asian Americans, Black Americans, everybody, has made them very bold. So if you can be that bold for Krishna, then that's a great thing. <laughs> yes, yes. And just to give you a, a visual of um, what we mean, the difference between equity and equality, this might help you. If you can see that. right? So the equality, just give everyone the same level platform, but it doesn't really help, right? Because that, that short person or the young person can't see. But equity is uh, treating everyone differently so that they can... Um, benefit so that's why we would treat a greatly advanced devotee someone who's just coming to the temple for the first time and a tiger um differently although we see the equality in them <laughs> okay <laughs> is there um i i completely appreciate this um this diagram it's really wonderful um is there a way like that um, is perceptible, that we can see that someone is, we, that everyone is being treated with equity or, this isn't coming out right. Um, 
In other words, is there a way to perceive a devotee's ability to, because, you know, someone can claim, oh, I'm treating everyone with equity, uh, or I... Well, it takes some advancement to uh, to to do this, you know. As it take it takes one to know one, you know that saying, right? So, if it's sometimes hard to judge who's a great devotee, and therefore Bhaktivinoda Thakur, uh, as we've said before, tells us just be careful with everyone, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, you know, we 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 I think we have some idea of you know who inspires us in Krishna consciousness, and we may listen to them more more often than others but uh it takes some it takes some uh uh insight to to know how to deal with people in general right you know it's uh they say like bill clinton when he walked into a room he just knew immediately how to schmooze everybody and, and how to talk to them and, and every, you know that's you know he just had that i mean now that that's not you know he wasn't using that necessarily in Krishna's service there um but the so there's some innate ability to easily make friends with people, but there's also some spiritual insight in order to how to deal with um, everyone appropriately, and that's what we're hearing about the six Goswamis: Dira, Adira, Janapriya, Priyakaro, Nirmatsara. That they uh, they were friendly with the ruffians and the saintly. That takes some uh, ability. So that is what we have time for this week. So where did we got up to um, verse 32? So based on the uh, homework assignment, we still have 37 and 39 to do. And we will be able to easily finish this chapter and start chapter 5, Krishna willing, next week. We're getting through the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam. Amazing. So thank you. I hope you have a very wonderful uh Krishna conscious week today or tomorrow. Yeah, today is the last day. Uh, it'll be two weeks after my second vaccination. So, um, I'll at least be, yeah, maybe be able to do a few other things that I haven't done for the last year and a half or so year. Well, not year and a half, but year and a few months. I wish you all well. Please stay safe. There's as a, any of you have relatives back in India. It's just terrible how badly the second wave is affecting uh Vrindavan, Mayapur. I was just talking to devotees in Ujjain. There's a curfew there now. And it's it's really um yeah, it's really getting out of control over there. So please tell everyone that you all your loved ones to remain safe and sound. Hare Krishna. I hear Dina Bandhu is out of danger. Good. I'm very happy to hear that.